It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Who they think they're going to beat them Bengals? It is the Locked On Bengals podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Joe's favorite sponsor, Blue Chew, the chewable confidence pill that you need. I've been popping these things daily, like Tic Tacs. Just doing a bunch of push-ups? <laughs> you know it. Push-ups all day. More like uh, curls. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right, Joe. Today, we have some questions that we're going to get to. It's not a traditional mailbag. In case you hadn't noticed, we haven't talked very much about news this week since Monday, Tuesday, I guess. And that's just because of scheduling reasons. So yeah. if, if, if you think we didn't get your question, we'll, we'll get back on a regular schedule in the future. Today we have a – there's something going around Twitter, Joe. What's it called? It's just like a list of – most overrated, most underrated. Yeah. We're going to go through that for the Bengals, and then we're going to take some questions. Yep. That's going to be our show for the weekend. So, Joe, what's the first category of your list of stuff? Yeah, this is going around Twitter, and it's got you know it's going to ask basically to give out these preseason awards or expectation predictions, however you want to frame it. Uh, and it's most overrated, most underrated player on the Bengals, best player, uh, key new addition, player that could surprise, player that takes a leap. And who is in the prove-it year? So I think there's a lot. I, I already filled this out myself. But I think for a bunch of these players I uh, or a bunch of these categories, I've hemmed and hawed over a few of them. So uh, we'll start with the first one. And we'll go in order that they have this laid out. And it's most overrated player, Jake, on the Bengals roster. Who do you think? Hmm. I know who I picked. But I wonder if I'm being influenced by their process over the last couple months and i'm kind of thinking it's drake kirkpatrick Mm, drake kirkpatrick's most overrated i kind of feel that not not by the fan base in cincinnati but i think i think externally there's just a little bit more love for drake kirkpatrick than maybe there should be because he was a number one you know maybe maybe internally not not bengals fans though i think well maybe i don't know that's where my mind kind of went though was uh was was yeah, Drake or Patrick. Here's who I put down. I put down Clint Bowling. And I say this because while I like Clint Bowling, and he's been serviceable and, and at times really good for the Bengals at left guard, he's not a high-impact player. If anything, he's a low-impact in terms of he doesn't have many bad plays. Uh, but he hasn't graded out really well the past couple of years, as the entire offensive line hasn't. Uh, but And I wonder with the drafting of two offensive linemen, 
signing uh, John Miller in the talks, I guess, that Bowling could be the one that's out of there with one year left on his deal and really no money they have to worry about. Is Clint Bowling the guy that is overrated by the fan base? Here's another one that might be overrated by the fan base because I think Clint Bowling is pretty accurately rated by the fan base for the most part. I'm sure he's overrated in some circles. I think one of the most overrated offensive linemen might be Christian Westerman. Mm. Yeah, I can see we, that. We don't know what Christian Westerman is, and yet every year it's, oh, Christian Westerman, he, he's going to solve our, solve our guard problem. He's we're guilty played of this. In the NFL. Yeah, we, we're guilty of it too. Yeah, that's probably I, that's our fine. most overrated Bengal between the you know, two of us. There was a couple other players I thought of after seeing other people post this for the Bengals. And some people posted Joe Mixon as the best player. And I thought, ooh, that's Most overrated. overrated player? Or best no, player? they best player. They put him as best player. And I thought, no chance. I don't even that's, think he's in the top five. That's just weird running back stuff. Right. That's what I think. Because we yeah. see him touch it 280 times. You're like, oh, this is the best player on the team. But I, I don't even think he's top five. So I, that You don't think if he's you, top five, huh? Well, no. If you want to say who the top five players of the Bengals, you could easily say Atkins and let's, let's, and... let's hold off on that. Let's get to that when we get to their best player. We'll do the top okay, five. That's fine. You're right. So, should we go to most underrated then? Let's do most part? underrated, yeah. Most underrated player on the Bengals roster. I, I had a couple guys I thought of here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought of first Nick Vigil mm-hmm. because I do think he's decent. And I think when we look at the linebacker unit, we say it's dreadful. Completely throw it in the trash. Let's try and get three new guys in here. And I, if it was me, I'd say, no, I think Nick Vigil can actually uh, still hold a starting spot. Now, I'd, I'd prefer if he was our third best guy, but that's not the case right now. But I ultimately I went down with Sean Williams. Because yeah, I think that's Sean I Williams is an integral part of this defense. And uh, in terms of actually being a veteran, and uh, I think he's got the leadership, but he is very good against the run, effective against the run. He, he comes downhill quickly. He hits. He's a hard, he's an enforcer. I think in this secondary, I kind of want that, and I, and I definitely think he plays a key role, and he's a little bit better. In what, he had a, Of all the guys making plays on the ball last year, because it didn't happen at corner, right, at all. Bates yeah. did, but it was in spurts, right? Yeah. Sean Williams was consistently affecting plays. Yeah. Sean Williams is exactly where my mind went when I was yeah. thinking about it because I think a lot of Bengals fans don't think he's any good. And I is think there anyone on offense? Good. Um, no. Someone that's underrated. I thought maybe C.J. Uzama. No, and, but I think I he's think accurately he, rated. Yeah, because last year when I did my Bengals top 50, I said most underrated player was C.J. Uzama. Uh, and people said, what? He's the third tight end. And I said, no, he's actually watching him in detail. He was actually really good. So now I can't. Yeah, I feel like I can't use him. I think he's accurately rated because of I you. Think he is now. Yeah, or because no, because how he played last year, he got his opportunity. He was better. He, he got a deal. Yeah, so now he's accurately rated. So next question is, who is the best player on the Bengals roster? So it's Geno Atkins or it's AJ Green. I think that that's easily the the top two. Now I've ranked the entire roster. I've done this the last few years, uh, and usually around three, four, five for me and. Recently, it was uh, Carlos Dunlap, I believe, has been number three. I've had William Jackson, four or five. And uh, so it's it's gone heavy defense. And I would say I'm, I've had Clint Bowling there. I've had Tyler Eifert there. I've had Joe Mixon, Giovanni Bernard. So I think it, it kind of who the number five guy is gets a little bit of a toss-up. I, I, think, could, I think it is Mixon, though. You think it is? Because I think of the impact? I, and he's really good. You're saying to be the number five guy, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think I think your first three I agree with, and then four is 
Probably William Jackson. Probably. Yeah, I think that's in the in the realm of possibility. I I do think Tyler Boyd Ooh. is getting close to being in that discussion. He was so yeah. good last year. I mean, if, if Mixon isn't five, five, he's six. Yeah, you can. Right. Yeah, that that's can what be I mean. I think we, I think five through ten. I feel really good about one of those guys. You know, however you want to rank them. Yeah. So who who's best out of Geno Atkins and AJ Green? That's I know I, I wrote. I, I, I put Geno Atkins. Yeah, positional value, right? Yeah, positional value. I think more impact on the game. Even though I, that is a really splitting hairs because, I mean, both different sides of the ball, green yeah. impacts the game heavy. He just, he, Atkins has been more healthy recently. I think if you talk about like their relative, yeah, no, I, I can't really argue with it. I want to say it's green, but I can't really argue with it. I want to say it's green too because pedigree, talent wise, I think he definitely has the full picture and should have had the more impactful, longer. If it's another quarterback, it's probably green. Yes, and right because Green is where Atkins creates his yeah his flash right yeah. where Green needs he's the receptor of it he's a receiver and, and and I also think Green might have more left in the tank at that same level I think you're sure. going to start to see a slow decline from Atkins because we should expect it look at the drop off at defensive tackles age waits for nobody age yeah. always wins and and yeah. I I hope Gino finds a way to defy age and plays until he's fifty but. The reality is I think Green might have a little bit more left in the tank in terms of longevity, yep. if he can stay healthy. So the next question is, the, who is the key new addition for the Bengals? And I thought, looking at other analysts and writers write this for their team, I thought, this is tough for the Bengals. Key new addition? All right. Hmm. Now, you, I guess it could be a draft pick. It could be someone they signed in free agency. So yeah, is it John so Miller? Jonah, I think it's Jonah Williams. <laughs> it is. That's who I wrote down too. Yeah. It's got to be Jonah. Yeah, it's got to be Jonah. Not only is he the biggest investment they made, he's the most talent they've added. Um, it's got to be Jonah Williams. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if they, you kind of want to say Zach Taylor, but sure. you're so unsure about it that it's like, eh, I don't know. You feel good about be... Jonah Williams compared to Bobby Hart, though. Right. And was Bobby Hart an addition? So you're really only going with retention, guys that were added I think. to the roster. He's a retention. Yeah, so I wouldn't I wouldn't include Bobby Hart. It would really, really out of John Miller. No, no, no. I'm saying I'm saying that the improvement from Bobby Hart to Jonah Williams is is gotcha. visible, right? So that's why gotcha. he's a good addition. Now, now I think it gets a little fun though. Okay. Uh, in this category, it says could surprise. So who on this roster do you think could surprise in 2019? Ooh, Rennell Wren comes to mind as a Ooh, fun new that's guy. Interesting. Yeah, uh, fourth rounder. We've had plenty of fourth round defensive tackles really make an impact. Yeah. Uh, Andrew Brown. I mean, a lot of defensive linemen come to mind as high upside guys. Andrew Brown, Brown could surprise. I liked him a lot last year when they yeah. took him. I thought he was their best day three pick. Andrew Brown comes to mind. Uh, Ryan Glasgow coming back off injury. I think people I've, could have forgotten about him. All, all the defensive linemen. Andrew Billings, I, sure. I almost put Brown also, or um, Glasgow also. I wrote down Nick Vigil because I do think this linebacker unit can be much better with a complete roll of that dice again. Yeah. And I've talked about Vigil twice, but I I actually put him in the spot where he if he stays healthy, if the if the coordination scheme is better and fits these linebackers better, I think we could all look at Vigil and say, you know what, 
extend him this offseason. You know who I want to say for this one? Who's that? I want to say Tyler Eifert. If he stays healthy, that is a surprise. And he could be he could put up crazy numbers. I was talking with a Bucks fan. I can't tell if he was right or not, actually, now that I remember this. Um he we were comparing rosters, kind of debating, but also, you know, I was trying to make the Bengals roster look better than the Bucks. I thought it was. I, it should be. I think it is now that I, when we did this. But uh, he said he liked the, the, the Buccaneers' tight ends better with O.J. Howard and Cameron Brait. And I thought, yeah, that's actually really – that's good. Yeah. And he goes, well, what do you guys got? You guys really don't have anyone. And I said, well, Eifert, let, let, hang on now. If Eifert's healthy, he is the best receiver of all those guys. And he's like, Eifert hasn't uh, – I can't remember the last time Eifert has done anything. And I'm like – Fair, fine, you're right. So I think the general fan base... I mean, you could say the same thing about O.J. Howard, Sure. To be fair. I mean, O.J. Howard and Tyler Eifert both missed most of last season. My point is that I think the general audience or NFL fan base is, have um, forgotten Eifert completely yeah. at this point. Because yeah. it's, it's been a while, 2015. It's been a long time. Yeah. So yeah, he would surprise. Next category, takes a leap. Hmm. So who's going to take a leap to be who we think they're going to be? This isn't a surprise. This is really, I think they go from being a good player or a solid role player, a contributor into, oh, this is the guy we need to keep. Or this is a, I think that was Tyler Boyd easy last year, right? Yeah. This so year, who, there's three guys that come to mind. Okay. Who do you got? I think Drake Kirkpatrick, or sorry, William Jackson is one. Okay. Jesse Bates yeah. is one. Yeah. And Billy Price is one. Oh, I, I like the Billy Price. He was actually who I was originally going to put down. You know who I put down? Carl Lawson. And I think if he's healthy and he has a similar impact to the way he was as a rookie, but yeah, actually used better. Is there the biggest playing. wild card category? I know, right? Because that that's where Carl I put Lawson. Lawson because I, cause, right. cause of the health question. I mean, he's rehabbed from an ACL before. There's no reason to doubt it. But any time a guy on the defensive line is coming off an ACL, you wonder. Yep. And if he does come back, that's what I think about sometimes, that if Carl Lawson is healthy and healthy all year, he gives you that third, you need that third rush. Yep. It's very important. And if, you, if he gives you that, I feel wholly better about this defense it, completely. I mean, I, I feel like he is their best edge guy, edge rusher. Thinking so about defensive line, I think uh, Hubbard is another one. For takes the leap yeah. or could surprise? I think he'd be, I put him in the could surprise because I feel like I know what he is, he's and if he does out. anything more than that, yeah. I'd be like, "Whoa, man, this guy's a little got, you know, he's got a little more than I expected." There could be like a technique and savvy improvement, though. Like you always expect to see a bit of a second year jump from defensive, from productive first year defensive lineman. Oh, sure, you're getting stronger in the in the speed of it. I think it is. Yeah. I think you end up going for defensive linemen. The game gets so much faster for them, especially inside. Uh, you got to get stronger because these guys are all big and strong. But then technique-wise, I think it's a leap from college tackles, college offensive linemen to NFL offensive linemen. And it forces your technique to be that much better. Yeah. And I think that's why Carl Lawson hit the ground running as a rookie. Technique-wise, he was fantastic. Yeah, he was great. So, like, that's why you can see those guys come in and hit. And, and Sam Hubbard had a really good rookie year, all things considered, for a third-round pick. So uh, that was one of his strengths also. Yeah. What's our next category? Prove-it year. Hmm. John Ross. Yeah, that's why I wrote John Ross. And is there anyone else? I mean, because John Ross isn't a prove-it year. If I think if he has another even Dalton. year like last year, we get worried. Yeah, Dalton is in that prove-it year range, right? To some degree, maybe Tyler Boyd if they don't sign him. 
sure i, I don't know I, like prove that you are the guy you were last year is it yeah and that's a good angle to take on that i like that is it too early for a prove it year on billy price no yes yes i meant yes Right, you meant to say it's too early. He gets a, just like John Ross, he would get a year three, right? Yeah. Before we say completely that this guy is either is the first round pick, right? You got to give him three years. Have yeah. to. Yeah, I would agree. Um, on that, but, on that, but for, it's, it, it's John Ross for sure. Is it Andrew? Is it? Um, I'm sorry. Is it Andrew Billings at all? Mm, he's already good. I mean, what do you want to see for from his him? role? Right. I want to see if he's anything more. You want to see if he's more than a nose tackle? I think he's a nose tackle. He's huge. Yeah, I know. That's it, right? That's his, that's his role. Name another guy that's as big as him that is a disruptive pass rusher on a consistent basis. I think we're naming a lot of guys from this draft now. And this, uh, there's a lot of guys that are in the prove-it role. Because uh, so, I would say also Nick Vigil is in there. Yeah, Third time I mentioned him for a category. Yeah. Prove it. Prove you can stay healthy and actually are maybe the best linebacker. And put it all together, too. Like, do right. all of the things at the same time. Right. Because he's flashed every him. bit. Yeah. He's flashed every bit that I want, but yeah. there's way too much of the flashing of the bad side in every yeah. category. It's hard yeah. to even tell what he's good at because he's shown being good at everything and being bad at everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wonder if it's mental. Anyway, what's our next category? That's it. Those are the categories. That's it. Those are the categories. What about wild card? Let's do that one. Is it Carl Lawson or is it somebody else? Wild card. Like this guy could affect the team. Like he could come out of nowhere and make a huge difference. Like Tyler like, Boyd did last year. Sure. Yeah. And all of a sudden you're like, you know. I think the wild card, and I'm gonna go in a different direction with this as I'm thinking about it, is Joe Mixon. Because if they use him to his full potential, yeah. now he was good last year. But if they there's so much more. If you didn't watch Joe Mixon on Oklahoma, there is so much more he can be and do and be dynamic as a passing receiver. We earlier this week we were looking at running backs. We drafted him from around the league. We took Saquon Barkley and Alvin Kamara. Why? They were two of the best receiving threats in the league. Also, there's no reason Joe Mixon can't be in that category yeah. with them. And if he does, this offense is much. If he's Todd Gurley, and there's a chance. This offense is much, much different. Yeah. I'd say another one to consider is is Lou Anarumo. And you you could say Zach Taylor, but you at least have an idea of what Zach Taylor wants to do because you know what system he's coming from and you know that he's going to implement those Rams ideas with the way he's built the team, the way he's talked about building a run game. Lou Anarumo, we really have no idea what he's going to do with the defensive side of the ball. And if he hits the ground the way Terrell Austin hit the ground, the defense is going to be a mess. If he hits the ground and has communication and has his guys understanding what it is that they're supposed to do, well, then suddenly you're back to maybe an average plus unit. Because if, even if that defense last year was average, this season goes differently, right? Yeah, and, way different. They, right, they, so, they gave up 500 yards. What was it, three straight games? Yeah. It's crazy. And, and, yeah, and if they can even at least get their head above water, I think in 2019 it really helps out this offense yeah. a whole lot. And we feel much better about this. But there is a chance because of how late they hired him, couldn't find a guy. There's a chance this isn't chance that it isn't the guy. As, much, as good as you felt about Terrell Austin, many of you did when they when they hired him. Uh, we see how that goes. It's a very big unknown, and he hasn't given us any hints to what he plans on doing, really. Even from his hires. His hires are guys that have coached four threes. They're guys that have coached transitions to three four. They're guys that are yep. three four coaches almost exclusively in their history. There are a lot of Dick LeBeau guys that are college guys. Yeah, a lot of college guys too. So it's it's we really don't know what to expect from the defense in terms of scheme or performance. And that's why I say Lou Anaruma might be the biggest wild card for the Bengals that we haven't talked about very much 
in 2019. I like it. And I think we got a question coming up on the second half of the show where we can pretty much tag that in there and answer that a little bit more on what we can expect from the defense. That'll be after the break. Yeah. And today you get to hear Joe talk about his favorite product probably that we've ever talked about. We'll be back after this break. Guys, let's talk about sex. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up as twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Let me tell you, we get free samples, and if you think Marshawn Lynch has a good stiff arm, you've seen nothing yet. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor visits, no waiting at the pharmacy, and best of all, no awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than the pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code LOCKEDON. Just pay the $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code LOCKEDON to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the Lockdown Bengals podcast. This is David Harrison of the Lockdown Commanders podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Welcome back to the Lockdown Bengals podcast. We are going to answer some questions, not the typical mailbag. We have a few here that uh, people have been questioning for a long time, and we figured we'd finally get to them. And the first one here is from David on Twitter at MD Leslie, and we're going to keep it on the defensive side since Jake really jumped into that and called Lou Anarumo the wild card of the Bengals 2019 season. And David asks, what can we expect under the new defensive scheme? It's so under wraps. I think we really have no inclination. And I wonder, maybe we should ask the beat writers. This is a really good idea. We should ask the beat writers what they saw, if anything, out of the defensive alignments. And it sounds like they didn't even line up. I think it was only team drills. Yep. So only, yep. only positional drills, I should say. So maybe... They didn't see anything. I think we're a week or two too early. Once the rookies and veterans get together, we'll be our first chance to really get an idea of what this defense looks like. And it's not like they even drafted any edge rushers that we could say, okay, did he line up with his hand on his ground or was he standing up? They didn't address defense in the draft. We did this earlier this week, right, when we drafted for the Bengals. We went almost heavy defense. They took Jermaine Pratt and then Renell Wren. How much is Renell Wren going to play? That's actually a really good point. That's it. Offensive coach. And and we're talking about the defense here, and we don't know. I said this before the break. We, we have no idea what Lou Anarumo is planning to do. If he brings what, what they played in New York, I mean, I guess we could go back and look at what New York did last year. But he but was he, a DB coach. He was a defensive backs coach. That's right. And he's hired a bunch of guys from a myriad of different systems. Right. So so who knows? That's that's. I, I would love to know what to expect from the new defensive scheme and. We, we really haven't seen any indication yet of which way they're going to go. 
Now, if they just talked about, you know, the normal coach speak, be aggressive, fundamentals, yada, yada, tackle better. Uh, you hear that from every single team that hires yep. a new defensive guy. So it's not we can't pull much to pull too much out of that. Now, there are some key things I like that I hear multiple and, and pressure. But again, that's very coach speak stuff. Yeah. So that is one of the things I think we should all be most excited to look at and and get any information we can on the defensive side. When we get some camp reports and then training camp and then preseason, yeah. I mean, I'm going to be laser focused. What is this defense doing? Yeah, because there's there's not the Marvin Lewis backbone, the Marvin Lewis foundation of the defense anymore. It's going right. to be something we perhaps haven't seen in a long time in Cincinnati. So it'll be really interesting to see what happens there. Our next for the question. 16, I just want to say for the 16 years we had, Marvin, we pretty much had a great idea, to your point, of yeah. what the defense was going to look like. They had fundamental ideas at different levels of the field. Now I feel like we have that finally on offense. How many years did we feel like we didn't know the identity of the offense, even though they had a lot of good years yep. offensive football? I feel like at least now that has flipped, and that should be expected when you get an offensive guy. But um, So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm saying the obvious here, but realizing it and saying it out loud for the first time. Well, I think this is why people wanted that established defensive coordinator too, right? Because then you yeah. know what to expect. You know kind of what you're getting into a little bit more. Yeah. And we really don't. Our next question comes from JoJo Jammer at win one Super Bowl. <laughs> Great name. <laughs> uh, yes, please. How much improvement will we see from the second year players and which ones will have a major role? We talked about this one a little bit too in the open with the most improved or big or the leap to take. Uh, who, who stands out to you as the guys you want to see take the biggest leap? Who's going to have a big, big improvement? You know, I, it should be Billy Price because, and you guys know I wasn't, if, you, if you're if you a new listener, you might not know, but if you listened to me last year with James Rapine and we talked a lot about the draft uh, or follow me on Twitter, whatever. Anyways, uh, I was not the highest on Billy Price. I thought he was a strong day two pick, guy with limited upside, but a good floor. You should get at least average center play out of them they did not get that last year and he dealt with injuries the entire offensive line had issues I do think there is significant reason to believe he's going to be at least um, average and if he is that's completely better than what they've been getting for a long time at center so if that happens all he has to do is beat the, the bare minimum of our expectations for him and it's a huge improvement for this roster completely so he's the obvious second year guy as their first round pick but uh yeah, he's the one I'm hoping does take that step. Who else played last year as rookies from that draft class? Jesse Bates. Jesse Bates. He's already really good. Yeah, if he takes a step, then that means they are really good in the secondary. How about Malik Jefferson? That'd be great to see. Oh, yeah. Imagine that, right? It's a second-year leap for a guy that uh, at a position where they desperately need it. If, if he figures it out at all, I mean, he has all the athleticism in the world, right? If he if he right. can figure it out and put together, yeah, that'd be... Sam Hubbard was also in the third round. We talked about him Oh, earlier. yeah, Sam Hubbard played a lot. He should get better, too. I mean, I, we talked about that. We, we, we've already mentioned everything there is, is, I think, to mention about it, but he could get better. Yeah, I hope he gets a little bit more of a role to try again on the inside. When they were drafted him, I thought he'd be an ideal guy to kick inside and allow him rush from the defensive tackle spot nickel. He wasn't able to do it. That's usually a transition that takes some time. So I don't want to throw it out already because uh, he wasn't ready yet. I want to let him marinate and cook a little bit more. Yep. Next one's from John Harden. 
He asks us, why do we use the Patriots as a great team-building organization? They have the luckiest draft pick of all time, Tom Brady, and the most at the most important position. The greatest coach and talent evaluator of all time, Bill elevator. Belichick. Elevator. Oh, you're right. Not evaluator. Elevator. And that's probably actually more mm-hmm. accurate. Yeah. Um, he goes on to say, to me, they usually have average talent that overachieves and rarely translates outside of New England. I don't know that we necessarily use the Patriots as an example of a great team building organization from a traditional mindset, because I think you're right. They have the best coach and talent elevator of all time. When we talk about the Patriots, I think what we're talking about, or at least what I'm talking about, and Joe, I'll let you speak for yourself, is that they have the best organizational approach in the NFL in terms of the way they structure their team, the way they apply knowledge, the way they use knowledge, the way they come out with a different game plan every week. One week, they'll run it 50 times. The next week, they'll throw it to their outside guy 50 times. The next week, they'll throw it to their running back 30 times. They'll throw it to Gronk another 20 times. They're and obviously those true, are extremes. Yeah, and I'll, just to that point, I'll let you finish too. They're also a true hybrid defense where right, they where are a 3-4 and a 4-3 defense. Exactly. And they can do half the field is going to have 4-3 concepts. The other half yep. the field is going to have 3-4 concepts. Yeah. Bill Belichick, yeah, you're right. He's he's the greatest coach of all time. I think that, I think that's fair to say at this point. Yes, I mean he's in he's in some great company. You can argue, sure, but I, I I think there's a very strong argument for that in terms of the way he does so much on his own. But when we talk about the Patriots, we talk about the institutional knowledge. You've heard that on this show a lot. You talk about the way that they know how to build market inefficiencies. Is is what I want to say, but yeah. Like right now, it's a secondary. They figured out before everybody else, secondary is a way to build your team. Well, and everyone else is trying to build in the trenches, which with Dante Skarnecchia, they don't really need to devote much resources there because they have the best offensive line coach in the league too. But Bill Belichick went out and built a secondary that was so good that he could get the rest of the guys to you know, maximize their ability and be used in the way that they could excel. Kyle Van Noy being the example I'm thinking about here, the way he excels in that defense, especially as a blitzer. And then, but they've you know, always done this. Slot receivers. Right. Yeah. Slot, slot receivers. Small, small, shifty yep. slot receivers. Running backs targets catching, for those guys. Yeah. Running backs catching the ball. Uh, in the Tight Gronk ends. era, obviously Gronk was a huge part, but even before Gronk. Gronk and Hernandez, though, together. Well, yeah, together. They even, knew even you couldn't cover them. those guys. Even yeah. yeah. Even Yeah, of course. Even, even before re- those two, though. A recent one also. Weird for them, right? Because they've always devalued running back, but they have when they wanted that lead guy. They they spent a second rounder to go get Corey Dillon, but uh, getting that fifth year option for Sony Michelle, take trading up or did they trade up? But yeah. they took him with the last pick or second to last pick in the uh, first round for Sony Michelle to get that fifth year. You're really gonna run them dry for five years? Boot them out of there. Wouldn't be surprised if that's exactly what they do because they are trying to that's an inefficiency a way to get the maximum value for a running back they're also they're also likely to carry six running backs i think sony michelle james white rex burkhead damian harris brandon bolden and james devlin yep they might cut burkhead i guess they might cut bolden or they could just take all six because they're going to use them all they find ways to use all these guys that's the crazy thing about it so only other thing i'm going to add is there is a way to look at these teams that you want to take bits and pieces of, but it doesn't mean you can emulate them and try and be and mirror them because you can't recreate Belichick and Brady, right? But you can 
flip a sixth round pick for Trent Brown. You can pick swap in the third round to get it to, to move up and get a guy you want or move back and collect extra picks. Uh, go against re- go for restricted free agents, spend big money at one position being corner like the, like the Patriots do. There are things they do that you can copy. And that's why we, if we talk about the Patriots, which I'm not even sure we do, but I guess we must have. We do. But, we do. Uh, I do. Okay. So there are things you can copy. But can you copy Belichick and, and Brady? You're right. We You cannot. So um, fair on your part. You do make a really good point about the pick swaps and trading for guys because you look at their roster right now as it's constructed and, you know, there's so many guys here that came from trades. And they got well, a bunch of compensatory picks coming in too. Oh, yeah. They, yeah, they trade for the guys and then they let them go and then they go get money because they're coming off the Patriots and it's just a cycle. Yep. Michael Bennett, trade. Kyle Van Noy, trade. Jason McCourty, trade. Philip Dorsett trade, although Philip Dorsett hasn't done a lot yet. I mean, but they they trade for him, and if they hit like they did for Trent Brown, then you get a third round pick and back for it. it's 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 a it's the definition of low risk high reward. Yep. Is it my turn? It is your turn for the next question. Our next question comes from Willie Dixon at Dixon six oh six. I think he's probably friends with Win One Super Bowl JoJo Jammer. He asks who will be the Bengals opponent in Super Bowl fifty four. Easy. That's the Seattle Seahawks. You think that's easy, huh? No, I don't think it's easy. No. Just, <laughs> it's the first team that popped in my mind. Uh, Seahawks. I, they could be the Rams, could be the Eagles. I think the Cowboys are building a small window, short window, until they have to extend Dak Prescott. But it could be this year where they really maximize it and get them over the hump. You don't believe in Daniel Jones's Eli Mannings, huh? No. I'm interested no. to see what Chicago does, though. And if the Packers. Chicago can get back, lost a lot of players. They, and they didn't have a first rounder. Um, they didn't have a second rounder either, right? I yeah. don't recall. Yeah. But I, if Trubisky takes another step, that's a lot of teams. Yep. But I'm, I'll go Seattle. That's my official pick. You I think one. I would say it's one of Philly or LA. Okay. I'll go Philly. Go Philly getting back in there. I don't care some ones. Yeah. They got their quarterback back. He'll stay healthy, take a step. It's easy to forget about Carson Wentz. He's missed time, and Nick Foles won the Super Bowl. Yeah. So, all right, that's our predictions. Next question from Alex with a, the exclamation point. Do I say it like that? Uh, Dagda is his Twitter handle. He says, I'm real interested in how our players that were injured last year, even those that never made the field, could impact the team with their return. We know about Andy and A.J. Green, but people like Malik Jefferson, Ryan Glasgow, could change things up. Was Malik Jefferson hurt? I don't think he was. I, don't, I, don't I think, think he just he played 11 hurt. snaps because, of, I think, because he was a rookie. I think he just wasn't ready. Yeah, I think Glasgow's a good one to point out. They had injuries everywhere, though. But Vigil and Brown were both injured, and those are linebackers. Vigil and Brown was injured. Cordy Glenn was injured. He was playing hurt all year. If Cordy Glenn, man, if he could stay through a season healthy, you would expect him to play better than he did last year. That would be a big difference. If Ryan Billy Glasgow, Price. Yep, Billy Price didn't have an offseason, was dealing with the peck and then dealing with uh, the the foot. Yeah, ankle-foot issue. Lower lower leg, let's yeah. call it. Yeah. Those are, Running those backs, are two. too. Both um, guys got hurt. Yeah, they did. They Next did, and two or and three. Rodney Anderson's coming off an industry too. Industry right. too. They they're going to need to keep all four, and actually, they might all see the field. They they might need to keep all four. AJ Green, obviously, you said we all know about him. Even Boyd ended up on IR. Ross yeah. missed uh, three games in the middle of the year. I think it was or two. 
Yeah, every single player on the Bengals was hurt last year. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Ryan Glasgow is one that we talked about, I think, last yes. year a lot on Twitter, at least, and that he took a step in his second year. Was it his second year last year? Yeah, go watch the Panthers game, week four, three, whatever that is. Uh, he was fantastic. My God, there was like two drives in a row where he, out of 10 plays he was in, he was involved in seven of the stops or pressures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he that. gets hurt that game, I think it is, at the end, fourth quarter in that game. So, uh, yeah, it, it's Ryan Glasgow has been a career overachiever. And if he gets back and if he gets in shape and sometimes – these guys rehab and work out like crazy coming back from these, and they come back stronger and in better shape. Defensive tackle, though, could usually take a year because that's a lot of weight on those knees. Yeah. So I think those are the big ones. I mean, everybody was hurt at every level. The linebackers, yeah. if they get a good offseason in. All the corners healthy. were hurt. Yeah, all the corners were dinged up. They Man, all dealt with it at some was, point. Was anybody healthy on the Bengals last year? Bobby it's, Hart. It's... <laughs> Bobby Hart, yeah, he played every offensive snap. <laughs> that's that's why he got that deal, man. 997 snaps, I think it was. Anyway, this has been a great week on the Lockdown Bengals podcast. A reminder that this episode was brought to you by Blue Chew. You can get that for free if you go check it out on the website and use the promo code LOCKEDON. That'll do it for us, though. Have a good weekend, Bengals fans. We'll see you next time. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.